Good. Good to see everyone this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. Those of you just joining us, we want to welcome you to Arden First. You're a special guest. Make sure you fill out that connection card in your bulletin. We'd love to get to know you a little more. We've been doing a series on joy. And I don't know about you guys, but this has been an encouragement to me that you can have joy no matter what the circumstances are. In life, it's easy to lose your happiness, right? If you have a bad day. Anybody had a bad day this week? Curiosity. Okay, a few bad days. Some of you are like, it's a perpetual bad day. Whenever you have a bad day, it's easy not to be happy. But joy we've talked about is much deeper because it's a byproduct of your relationship with God. In fact, joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. So as long as you have God living inside of you, which if you're a Christian, you always have God inside of you, the Holy Spirit, you're going to have joy. So last week, we talked about how to be a bright, shining star in a dark world. Let's see if you remember, the darker the night, the brighter the light. I heard one lady, it was really cute, uh, she told me she keeps her star by her dresser, and every time that thing lights up at night, uh, it makes her think that God's got it in control. And that she's going to shine for Jesus. So I don't know where you got your star. But we do have a few extra. If you weren't here last week, we gave out glow-in-the-dark stars to remind you that you are a shining star for Jesus. Um, today we pick up in a very practical passage. It's where Paul is um, talking about some soldiers of the cross. Namely, he's talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus. So we're going to talk about that. But before we jump into the text today... Uh, you guys ever been in a situation where you didn't feel like doing something? Some of you are like every day. Well, it was Saturday, and I had a pretty productive week, so I was you know, hoping to unplug a little bit, spend time with the family. And I got a phone call from two of my friends, uh, Pat and Robert. give you a little idea. They're amazing people. They're in their 60s, but they have the energy of a 15-year-old. Have you ever met anybody in their 60s that just had energy nonstop? That, that's Pat and Robert. So they live nearby us. And uh, they said, Timothy, we're coming over to your house. We're going to help you mow your yard. Is that sending me a hint that my yard's getting too high or something? So they're like, we're on our way. Uh, please don't say no. We want to help you. And I'm like, oh, how are you going to say no? Okay, come on. So uh, my day of just, you know, kind of, I was going to mow the yard eventually that day. But uh, it turned into, I've got to get on it. Well, the timing was a little off because my wife had just made this really nice lunch. She had roasted a chicken in the oven and it was all ready. And she said, honey, it's time to eat. And I said, baby, uh, Pat and Robert's coming right now. And I can't be sitting eating this great meal while they're sweating out in the yard, mowing the grass, weed eating. And uh, so I, I skipped lunch. So they, they got there and we started mowing. The thing about uh, my friends is they're perfectionists. How many of you mow your yard more than once? Anybody else do that? I never knew that that, that was even possible. Like I always mow the yard once and I'm done they mowed the yard two to three times because they said, you know, you got to get every blade of grass and then you have to rake it. Has anybody ever raked their grass before? Okay. I've never done it in my life. I've raked the leaves before. I've never raked grass before. So they don't want any grass shavings. So here I am. I'm working. It's 11 o'clock. It's getting 12 o'clock. It's getting 1 o'clock. And my blood sugar starts dropping. But I'm not about to. All right, you guys go ahead. I'm going to go and eat this leftover lunch. So I had to just dig deep, dig into another gear and say, you know, I'm I just going to make it. I text my wife. I'm like, pray for me. My blood sugar's dropping. <laughs> because here you have these 60-year-olds that are 
more energetic than I am at this point. I mean, raking the grass, weed eating, and I'm sitting here sweating like, how are they doing it? <laughs> I'm half their age, and they're just on fire. So I had to dig deep. Three hours later, when they're pulling out of the driveway, the grass looks the best it's ever looked. And uh, Pat, the lady, uh, she said, you know, uh, we want you to have the best-looking yard as the pastor in the neighborhood. So we, we think the pastor should have a nice-looking yard. I'm like, well, thanks. So as soon as they pulled out, I ran to the kitchen. I, I didn't have time to reheat the chicken, so I just started eating cereal and finally felt better. But I discovered that even when you don't feel like doing something, sometimes you have to do it anyways, right? And I'm glad I did because now the yard's done and uh, it's no longer looking shabby. So that might be a, a hint if someone says, I'm coming over to help you mow your yard, that you may have some uh, yard work that needs to be done. So today we're going to talk about even when. Even when you don't feel like doing something, sometimes you just have to do it anyways, right? So look at the person next to you and say, even when. So this passage we're getting ready to read, Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. And he's going to talk about Timothy and Epaphroditus. And what we're going to see in this text, many times the circumstances weren't good. But even when the circumstances aren't good, God still has a plan. There are times where Paul wanted to hold on to Timothy, but he realizes, I've got to send him to you. There's times when Epaphroditus, we're going to read about in the text, where he got sick doing ministry. Anybody ever try to do the will of God and gotten sick, and you're like, God, why? Even when God still has a plan. So we're going to start in verse 17. He says, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you'd be glad and rejoice with me. So he could say, even when I'm being poured out, I'm going to rejoice. Verse 19 but I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own and not the things of Christ Jesus. But you know Timothy's proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I know how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself will also come shortly. Keep in mind, Paul's in prison. And the church at Philippi, for some reason or another, wants Timothy to come and help because they really like Timothy. And Paul's like, I hope to send him. But it's, it's kind of he's in a tough situation. He needs Timothy to minister to his needs. But the church at Philippi needs him even more. So part of joy is sometimes putting others' needs ahead of your own. Verse 25. Yet I consider it necessary to... To send Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. A little background before we continue reading. Epaphroditus was sent out from the church at Philippi. They'd be like someone at Arden first. Okay, we're going to send John Anthony out to do a prison ministry. So he was the representative of the church. And look what happens when, when, he, when he's on his way, when he gets there. It says, verse 26, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Not only was he sick, look at verse 27, for he was indeed sick almost unto death. So this guy almost died trying to do the ministry. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. 
Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Look at verse 30. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his own life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. Father, we pray your blessing on your word. And Lord, I pray that we would learn from these soldiers of the cross, from Paul, from Timothy, from Epaphroditus, and that we would discover that even when we feel like sitting down, you ask us to stand up. Even when we want to give up, you tell us to keep going. Even when so, help us, Lord, to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today's message, I have entitled it, Even When. And the first thing I want to point to you is this. that Even when you need to be willing to sacrifice, even when others are looking for the shortcut. You ever been in a situation where you want to take the shortcut in life? I know I've been there. Um, Even with school, sometimes I would look back and say, what's the shortest way to graduate this degree? Is there another way around it? What's the shortest way to, you fill in the blank. And I think sometimes the shortcut, sometimes it doesn't work. And I think in life and in ministry, we got to realize that there's no shortcuts in the kingdom of God to to do his will. When God asks you to do something, he asks you to be willing to give it all. And yes, God does make a way out. But what I'm trying to say is a shortcut is trying to thwart what God wants and do it your way. And we know that doesn't work out very well, right? So if you look at verses 17 and 18, Paul talks about being poured out as a drink offering. And that uh, picture points us back to Numbers 15. In Numbers 15, it talks about you could bring a drink offering. Now, this is quite interesting. Keep in mind the temple, uh, in some ways, it was almost like a slaughterhouse. Think about a meat shop where you're slaughtering all these animals. And it's really not a pretty sight, all the blood everywhere. So a drink offering was this. You would bring in a very expensive portion of wine and you would pour it on the, the altar and it would go on the floor. The world would look at that and say, what an extravagant waste, this very expensive wine. Think about taking the most expensive wine and just pouring it on the ground. Could you imagine that? And people would see that and say, why? But for God, it was a fragrant offering. So when Paul says, my life is being poured out, he says, this may seem like a waste to you but it's not to God. I may be in prison, and it may seem like a waste to you, but it's not a waste to God. You ever thought about like this? Paul, had he not got in prison, do you think we'd have a lot of his letters in the New Testament? You know, the prison epistles, many of the books in the New Testament Paul wrote was while he was in prison. Sometimes we have to slow down in order to do things that God wants us to do. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm so busy, it's hard just to take a moment to say, God, whatever you want, I'm ready for. So possibly, if Paul had not been thrown into prison, we wouldn't be reading this book from prison to the church at Philippi. I wonder, what, what is it in your life? What aspects of your life you feel like it's slowing you down, but from God's perspective, he's got you right where he wants you because he's trying to teach you something. I was reading about missionaries in Kenya, and this is a few years back, but for the first 30 years of missionary journey in Kenya, more missionaries died in Kenya than people who became Christian. Can you believe that? In the first 30 years of missions in Kenya, more people died as a missionary than accepted Christ. What had happened 
is there were certain diseases that back then they didn't have the immunizations to fight them off. So in some mission organizations, instead of sending your belongings in a suitcase, I, I kid you not, they would send them over in your own casket because there was a higher chance, likelihood, that you would die in the mission field than you would come home. When I read that story, I'm like, how many of Arden First would sign up for missions at Kenya if that was the case? I don't know if I would. But this is the picture Paul saying, I'm willing to give whatever it takes so that people can be received. And you know what? Even when others aren't willing to sacrifice, sometimes God calls us to be willing. There's many people that are lounging in the lap of comfort. And sometimes God calls us to be uncomfortable for Him. You ever felt the awkwardness of when God tells you to share your faith and you're like, God, I don't want to? You ever been there? And that's, that's so hard when you're at, talking to a stranger and you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you, Timothy, go talk to that person. But God, I don't know this person. Even when you don't feel like it. Sometimes you have to be willing. So we have to set aside the need to be comfortable or the need to be complacent. Many of us are living in the land of complacency, being satisfied with where we're at. And, you know, I wonder what would happen if we decided, you know, sometimes I have to give up my comfort so that others can hear about Jesus. Sometimes I have to give up being complacent so that I'm willing to have my life poured out as an offering. I once had a friend who told me, I thought this was so good, he's a musician, and he said, Timothy, I want to get to the end of my life where I've given out everything on God's altar, all my gifts, talents, and ability, and I've given it all and have nothing left to give. I think that's the picture of what Paul's talking about. So be willing to sacrifice even when others are looking for the shortcut. Many times in your life you'll have people that aren't willing, but you be that person who's willing, amen? Somebody say, even when. Be willing to serve, number two, even when others are watching from the sidelines. Be willing to serve even when others are watching from the sidelines. In verses 19 through 24, we see about Timothy. And I'm going to read this scripture to you again. It says, I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, that I almost may be encouraged when you know your state. Verse 20, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own and not the things of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven character. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I know how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I too myself will come shortly. So you, you have here Timothy that so the church really wants. But you ever notice that, why, why can't there be more people that will step up? Many people are used to watching on the sidelines. How many of you watch pro sports? Anybody? All right. How about college? All right. Some of you like college, me pro. I was reading at a professional football game. Here's what it looks like. Approximately 50,000 or more spectators. And they're needing, desperately needing exercise. They're sitting in the stands watching 22 men on the field desperately needing rest. You got that picture? Over 50,000 people desperately needing the exercise and 22 guys desperately needing rest. I think that's a picture of the local church. You have so many people watching and then you have the people who are in the game are just like, oh, I'm about to die here. And I think Timothy was one of those guys that it didn't matter who was on the sidelines. He was willing to go and do whatever God called him to do. 
I read this article by a very intriguing lady. Her name is Ruth Kalkin. She said, Lord, you know how I serve you with great emotional fervor in the limelight. You know how eagerly I speak to you, for you at a women's club. You know how effective I am when I promote a fellowship group. You know my genuine enthusiasm at a Bible study. But Lord, I wonder how I would react if you pointed me to a basin of water and you asked me to wash the callous feet of a bent and wrinkled old woman. Day after day, month after month, in a room where nobody saw and nobody knew. When I read that, I'm like, wow. She said, God, I have no problem in the limelight. God, I have no problem in the women's group. But God, if you called me to serve somebody behind closed doors, it wasn't pleasant. I wonder how that would be. And I, I think at this church, we have many people that are so willing to serve, so willing to help. And many of you don't know what a lot of people do behind the scenes. There's many people here, Arden First, that clean the church. And no one sees what they're doing, but I see them throughout the week. And I'm like, what are you still doing here? And they're cleaning and they're helping. Many people volunteer in the kids' ministry behind the scenes. And no one ever sees them. Someone say, where is so-and-so? Oh, they're in the kids' ministry. And that, it's like, it's behind the scenes. Many people serve in outreach and visitation. And not many people know about it, but they're doing it. They're loving on people, serving. That's what makes a ministry effective when people are willing to get in the game and not just watch from the sidelines. Now, and this person will remain anonymous, but this is a, a fresh illustration. We, we have one person in the church who's a chef. And they saw the need for the church, how we want to start uh, visiting people, loving on people. And they said, I'll, I'll be willing to bake cookies every week so you can give it out to the church. And that's what I'm talking about. It's finding where you're gifted and being willing to serve. Timothy, his name means honoring God. And um, he was willing to honor God, whatever it was, even if it was being Paul's associate as Paul was sending him to different places. So um, let's take a look at Timothy, a few snapshots I want to bring you. Um, he completely surrendered to God's call in his life. You notice the phrase that says like-minded. He was, be, he was willing to say, just like Paul, whatever it takes to reach people, sign me up. I'm willing to do it. He was completely authentic. The Bible says he sincerely cares. How many of us like fake people? Anybody? I don't know about you, but I can spot them sometimes coming a mile away. Timothy in the Bible was a certain guy that he was genuine. He was authentic. He didn't just say he cared. He truly cared. And he put the needs of others ahead of his own. And I think that's, that's a good model for us. As Paul said, this is a person you can look at. So many people seek after their own needs, but not Timothy. He was willing to put the needs of others ahead of his own. I read a story. Uh, this is a True News article. His name's Michael Murray. It happened several years back, and the news article went something like this, 27-year-old Michael Murray, it was on Mother's Day, and before I tell this story, I told it to my wife, and she's like, stop right now. It was an emotional story because it involves kids, and um, you know how moms are with kids, you know. So uh, anyways, he, he's the father of two. He had a three-month-old son and a 20-month-old daughter. So his, his wife worked at a hospital. She was like a surgeon assistant. And uh, so he went to go visit her and bring her her Mother's Day present. It was like a gold necklace that said, number one, mom, we love you. And he brought her a red rose flower. 
and he was just loving on his wife a little bit. So as he was heading back to the parking garage, you know how these hospitals are, under, underground, parking garage, dark, he put his three-month son on top of the sunroof, and he, which is a bad idea, he buckled his daughter in, and before he knew it, he was hopping in, driving down the road. What he didn't realize is his son was on top of the car. True story. So as he was driving, what's, what's intriguing about the story, nobody honked, waved, flagged him down. They just let him keep going. Car seat sitting on top of the car. And as Michael was driving, he looked back and he heard something on top of his roof, scratching. And as he looked back to where his son would have been in the car, there was no baby. And as he looked in his rearview mirror, he saw a car seat fly off the car. And he just didn't know what to do. So following him was an um, antique dealer that was right behind his car. And the antique dealer in the car report said, I thought it was just like trash coming out of a car. You know how stuff will come out of a vehicle. And then I saw something that looked like a baby doll. But then when the mouth opened, I realized it was an actual human being. So he said, I pulled my car sideways to block the traffic. And he said the car seat was flying so fast it was coming almost as fast as the oncoming traffic coming towards him. So he blocked the traffic. He jumped out of the car. And he said what was miraculous is the car seat never flipped over. It just simply bounced. It was, the car seat was not broken. And most importantly, the child was uninjured. And if that's not a miracle, I don't know what it is. So something we can learn from that story is where was everyone else at? I mean, why was only one person willing to flag, you know, make action? No one is willing to flag him down. And so many of us just willing to go on. And I know I'm guilty of that. And as I read this scripture, it's like, what would it look like if we were more like Timothy? Where we're saying, you know, I'm willing to get in. Others are watching from the sidelines, but I'm willing to get in and help. Even when others aren't willing to make a difference, you be that woman. You be that man who's willing to step up and make the difference. Amen? So even when others aren't, God wants us to. The final point, number three, be willing to go the extra mile even when others aren't willing to go along the journey. You ever notice in this text, and I never saw it until recently, I was reading about Epaphroditus. And by the way, his name means charming. Wouldn't that be a cool kid's name? Hey, charming. Those of you moms... Epaphroditus is hard to say, though. That's the only problem. So, um, anyways, he sent off as a messenger from this church. And as far as I know, this is the only time he's in the New Testament. I don't ever remember seeing his name again. So we don't know a lot about him. But one thing we know is he was willing to go on the trip. You ever wonder why no one else went with him from the church at Philippi? Well, only one person. Sometimes, like Epaphroditus, it would be really easy to think. And I'm not saying he thought this, but this would be the way I would think is where is everyone else at? Why am I I'm the only one coming from this church? Aren't there other messengers? Aren't there other people to help? But Epaphroditus was willing to make the journey. And along the journey and somewhere along the way, we don't know the time period, but he got sick. And the Bible says that he was sick almost unto death. He almost died. You ever been trying to do the Lord's work and things get worse? You ever like say, God, I'm trying to serve you, but I'm sick. God, I'm trying to pray for people, but it's getting worse. Well, Epaphroditus can relate to what you're going through. And I I jotted down five little wisdom nuggets that I want you guys to write down. Five valuable lessons we can learn from Epaphroditus and his sickness. Number one, 
sometimes God doesn't heal right away. You notice Epaphroditus, it's interesting that Paul, didn't he heal a lot of people through God's power? But he almost died. And God didn't heal him right away. So sometimes God doesn't heal right away. Number two, sometimes good people doing God's work can still face extreme adversity and even sickness. You've got this guy doing ministry, doing the Lord's work, and yet he still gets sick. Serving God doesn't exempt you from hardship or trouble. Amen? Number three, even Paul the Apostle, who God used to heal many he was subject to God in each situation. So here you have someone with apostolic powers. The Holy Spirit worked through him. He'd heal people. But Epaphroditus, God didn't allow him to heal for a while. He was sick for a while. Number four, and this is really encouraging to me, sickness should not ultimately stop us from God's plan and God's purpose in our life. Notice Epaphroditus, he was sick. He almost died, but yet he still did God's purpose and plan. And that's just an encouragement. I, I know most of us in here would say I'm not 100%, right? Some of you are looking at me, amen. But that doesn't start God, stop God's purpose in your life. So don't allow any sickness, as we see from Epaphroditus, to get you back. How many of you have heard of Thomas Carlyle? Anybody? Famous author. Okay, well, he was writing this amazing book. I haven't read it. I don't recommend it because it's probably really long. The French Revolution. And uh, it sounds like a long history book, probably a boring, but I don't know. Some of your history majors probably have read it. So he was writing this amazing book on the French Revolution. And he asked his friend to read it. His friend was John Stuart Mill. He said, I want you to read this. I want to make sure it's good before uh, we, we make it public. So his friend read it. It took him several days to read this lengthy book. And um, his friend said, man, this is an amazing book. I, I want to come over your house and talk to you about it. So after he finished reading the book, his friend set it beside his rocking chair and he went to bed. The next day he got up and his maid had been there earlier that day. She saw a bunch of papers lying on the floor and thought that they were garbage, maybe an old newspaper or whatever. And she threw this guy's book in the fire. And Keep in mind, this is before computers. No hard copy, just the written copy. So she threw it in the fire and it was burned up. Could you imagine having to tell your friend that his many, many pages, his book is gone? So uh, according to the story, uh, his friend went to his home and just really apologized. I can't believe this. You won't believe what happened. And uh, Carlisle said, it's all right. I'm sure I can sort over the morning and do it again. And his friend, after much apology, left. And, and Carlisle looked at his wife. And said, poor Mill, I'm so sorry for him. I did not want to see him to see how crushed I really am. Then he gave a sigh. And then he said, well, the manuscript is gone. But tomorrow I can start again. Now I want you to think about that. I don't think that would be my reaction if someone burned up a book that I spent, no telling how long, perhaps years, to write. And it's time to start over. I think what we can learn is as you face adversity... As you face trials, temptations, and sickness, don't allow it to keep you from what God wants for you. Because, because you're facing adversity doesn't mean God's given up on you. Because your body doesn't work as it did doesn't mean God's given up on you. Keep on going, amen? And number five, and this is a good, good, good promise for all Christians who get sick. All Christians eventually do get healed. Sometimes in this lifetime and sometimes in the next. 
as many of you know, uh, Sister Peggy passed and went to be with the Lord. And uh, many of you knew her and really loved on her. And the thing about it now is she's doing better than she's ever done ever in her life. And from a human perspective, it's sad to say goodbye. But from an eternal perspective, she's in a new body. She no longer has cancer or sickness. And that's a good thing for Christians. If you are sick, eventually you do get healed. And that's a beautiful promise. So on this side, we pray for healing. And God, as, as he did with Epaphroditus, he did heal him in time. But even if he doesn't, in heaven, that's the ultimate healing. So to wrap things up, do the right thing even when you don't feel like it. Somebody say, even when. Even when you feel like sitting down, God says, stand up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the people we talked about today. Paul and his sacrificial service, willing to lay it all before you as a drink offering. I thank you for Timothy, that his name means honoring God. And he was willing to honor you no matter what it, what it meant. And Paul said, I have no one like-minded that truly cares for people. And Lord, I thank you for Epaphroditus. We don't know a lot about him, but we know he was willing to go when others wanted to stay. So Father, I pray that this whole message would be an encouragement and inspiration. That God, we wouldn't be those who sit on the sidelines, but we would be those who get involved in the game of life. That we wouldn't be sitting on the bleachers, but we would be in the the field winning others to Christ encouraging others even when we don't feel like it help us God to stand strong even when others aren't following help us to be the one because God one day we're going to stand before you and you're going to say well done thou good and faithful servant if we served you even when we didn't feel like it Father right now I pray that you provide strength and encouragement if there be one here today that doesn't know you I pray that today would be the day. And right now, in the comfort of your seat, if you have never invited Jesus to come into your life, the Bible makes it really clear that Jesus died for you so that you could be forgiven. And if you're willing to accept Him as your Lord and your Savior, the Bible says that Jesus will forgive you and He will give you eternal life if you invite Christ into your life and give your life to Him. So right now, just... Say a prayer to God, something like, God, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I'm in need of forgiveness. I've never given my life over to you. But Jesus, I pray that you would come into my life, that you would forgive me of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Father, even when, even when, help us to remember that you're the one who helps us. We love you and we thank you in the name above all names we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. This time if you'd